Welcome to Neighborly. The door at the top of the stairs. House number 37, Little Street. Charlie and Wren loved each other. It was a deep love formed by two lonely souls who craved connection and found it in each other. Ghastly pale and tall in stature, Charlie was a warm soul with untidy stark white hair as bright as his smile. However, when looking at Wren, the first word that comes to mind is sad. Bright red hair hangs in their eyes and every action and movement of theirs was plagued with a quiet sadness that couldn't be shaken. They were so short that sometimes it was hard to notice when they walked or stood by, almost like their life had taught them to use their small frame to hide. If Charlie was yellow, then Wren was blue. There was one thing they had in common, though. The two of them had been suffocated by loneliness, even if it manifested in different ways. They'd both been alone their whole life before they had met. Those were times of self-doubt and gripping anguish. It hadn't been like that in years. Today's tale takes place on the day Wren decided to clean out the old storage room in the basement. It was a strange, neglected room that surprised them with its size. It was full of old costumes and props, and was set up like the backstage of a theatre, almost as if someone had been trying to hold on to a memory, some long-forgotten star holding desperately to a spotlight that had long since gone out. Bertie, look at the size of these glasses. They were made for a giant's head. Why don't you try them on? Charlie giggled, holding out a pair of oversized glasses. Wren rolled their eyes affectionately, and at the sight of Charlie's grin, a small smile bloomed on their face too. Private, just for him. That is very rude, you know. And I'll have you know, I am not giant-shaped and neither is my head. Also, I told you to stop calling me, Bertie. Wren spoke seriously, but a distinct note of joy was found in the words. They'd tried to keep a straight face, but Charlie's renewed giggles had them laughing lightly too. They gently took the glasses in Charlie's outstretched hand and put them on. The cartoonish size of the glasses combined with Wren's brief scrunched-up kitten face made for a truly adorable sight. Now I look like a dork. I guess that means it's your turn to put them on, Wren said, plucking them off their own face. I could never look like a dork. I can only look cool. Only cool. Only cool. Charlie retorted taking the glasses and putting them on. Charlie stuck out his tongue and laughed. It sounded like the most beautiful thing Wren had ever heard. Wren's face broke out into a genuine smile. Charlie grinned harder at the rare sight in front of him. I wish you would do that more, he said, his eyes wide and sincere. Wren looked away, shy but still smiling. They settled into a comfortable silence after that, content in one another's presence. It was then that Wren's attention zeroed in on something, and the warmth coating their sadness melted. What they had noticed, dear listener, was a TV. Old and squat, from an era long since past, but with no indication that time had ever touched it. If you had asked them then, they would not have been able to explain it. But Wren didn't trust it. Something about it twisted their gut. The TV 
tucked to the side behind rows and rows of costumes, felt almost as if it wasn't meant to be seen by wandering eyes or heard by listening ears. Help me! A woman's voice rang out, raw from screaming and quickly becoming a distorted parody filled with static. It seemed to melt off the pair's ears. The plea was muffled despite its reverberance. Like whoever or whatever had made the sound was hiding, remaining unseen to Charlie and Wren. Part of Wren wished that could be the case, that there was some hidden innocent among the props and costumes, but there was nowhere to hide in the tight space. Boxes pressed against each other lined the walls, and the clothes racks that filled the middle of the space gave no decent enough cover to go undetected like that. Wren looked towards the TV and waited. I don't know where I am! The distorted woman cried out again. Faint thumps against the thick glass were heard. Charlie's head turns towards the TV curiously. Without much thought, he moved forwards and flicked it on. Static for a brief moment, before images flashed on the screen. Charlie jumped backwards and Wren dived in front of him, positioning himself as a shield despite Charlie being a head and shoulder length taller. The flashing images settled, restless on the screen. Neither of them could move. In the middle of the frame was a figure, staring at them. Their face, frame, and posture were nondescript. Average to an extreme that defied description, but something in their eyes was alive and familiar. They brought their hands up to their face and at once started to pull and scratch. A thin layer of skin clung to their fingers and began to wrap around their hands. They continued pulling, the skin never stopping. At some point, they opened their mouth and began to laugh, echoed and distant despite the speakers being right there. Cackles choked off into sobs and they just kept pulling. Pull, 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 let me out, let me out, it cries. Its face did not enjoy the activity. Turn me off, turn me off. The screen flickered again and faded to black, cutting off the begging before settling on a different channel. All Ren and Charlie could do was watch, frozen in place, gripping each other in silent horror. Swirling tendrils of smoke filled the scene, floating about before parting for a bridge on faraway looming cliff sides. Movement could be seen in the distance before the scene shifted. It shifted to the perspective of whatever it was that seemed to be moving. She was stumbling about, and her pleas for help could be heard clearly by the folks at home. Help me, please, I don't know where I am, I've been shot! It was the voice of the woman they'd heard before. The distorted nature of her voice remained, but her presence had solidified. The TV crackled again before it changed to a different scene. There stands a girl, who looks young but carries herself in a very different manner like her life experiences had removed her innocence and replaced it with a knowledge unknown. She wasn't like what was shown previously. She stood solid and steady against the other channel occupants. Not necessarily safe, but not dangerous either, wearing heavy boots. From where the camera is, it is easy to see her chipped nails painted black. She's staring at something, but it's hard to tell what exactly it is she's looking at, until the angle changes to behind her and it's easy to see she's looking at a house across the street. <coughs> Sorry about that. The TV began to flicker again when Wren, who had previously been entranced with the screen, snapped out of the hole it had on them. I don't know what's happening, but we should... Charlie? They turned to face him, but Charlie continued to stare at the TV. Can you hear me? Charlie blinked, nothing behind his eyes. Charlie? The woman on the screen begged harder, 
Wren shook Charlie, the woman's agitation freaking them out. Charlie, please, we need to go. Her crying rang out so loud against Wren's shaky voice. It felt like she was finally able to get in the room with him. Don't leave me here, Charlie. Come on. I want to smile. I want to smile with you for you. I want to be enough. Please give me a chance to be enough. Charlie looked at them, eyes filled with recognition and raw emotion. You've always been enough, pretty. Charlie smiled softly and cupped their cheek, gently wiping away the tears falling down Ren's face. I try to tell you any chance I get, he said. He had the kind of smile that can make anyone melt. We should probably get out of here, shouldn't we? The scene cuts to a void-filled screen that lets out a low level of static building. Wait. It writes out. I'm not done yet. What Ren responded with next is a bit too foul and rude to relay to the folks at home, so we'll move swiftly on. Don't you want to finish the story? She has a face, you know. Well, maybe. Can't show you if she remembers. What are you talking about? A simple stay is written in response before the void moves back to the bridge. In front of the woman was a man. He glanced down at his watch and tapped his foot, clearly in a rush. He looked anxiously around, then seemed to notice something. It's hard to tell if it's the woman or the camera he saw. Either way, he began to beg. His eyes pierced through the screen and landed directly on Charlie and Ren. I'm late for my son's birth. Please, I need to get past. The woman was confused. Could he not tell she was going to die? Please help me, I've been shot. She cried in response. And the man didn't give any visible indication he had heard what she had said, and once again said, I'm late for my son's birth, I need to get past. Over and over again, the cycle repeated, all while she continued to plead. Ma'am, I need to go. She fell to her knees and started to sob. <laughs> Please, I, I need help. I don't know where we are. I'm shot. <laughs> she whimpered on the ground. A low rumbling began to thrum on the screen. Building as the man stared into the screen, something alive in him. The rumbling crescendoed, and just like that, the cycle broke. The man moved into a neutral position, and what was alive inside him pulled an unnatural grin across his face. He looked down at the woman. I'm late for my son's birth. He walked through her and left. She watched him, and the faint sound of sniffling was heard. The perspective then changed, and we see... Stop it, Ren said. A cool, icy chill covered their words in a thick frost. I don't know what you are, or how you have that. Leave us alone. The screen changes into a void again. Maybe you do know. How would you know? Do you really know anything you think you do? They shook their head and turned to leave. I don't have to do this, they muttered to themselves as they moved towards the stairs. They never made it to the door at the top of the stairs. They never did a lot of things after that. As soon as they turned, a thick black smoke plume came from the TV. There was a moment of silence, a mockery of a moment used to respect the dead, as the smoke seemed to wait for something. Everything stood still, 
hanging in the moment before, the calm before the storm. Wren turned around. The smoke moved, an ambush predator attacking prey, and Wren began to fade almost immediately. It wanted to see the look on their face when it struck. Poor Charlie, all he could do was watch. Watch as his best friend faded before his eyes, as they reached a hand out to him. He went to reach back, but before their hands met, his beloved birdie evaporated to the ground, caught by the void, and carried back to its realm. Once back inside the screen, it waited, the inky blackness swirling around, movement languid and smooth, smooth aside from the occasional flicker. It seemed as if something was trying to struggle a bit. The void won out in the end. Charlie stood still, staring at where his best friend had died. When the smoke settled, he broke. He fell to his knees, no longer paralyzed as the rush of grief crashed over him in waves. He curled in on himself. Something heavy shook his chest as he mourned for his best friend. They were gone. They were gone, and it was his fault. He just stood there. A harsh sob pushed out of him. He fell apart for them, for what they'd never see again. The sun, the moon, the stars, he wept for what they'd never feel again. The solid pressure of a hug, their favorite sweater left upstairs because they didn't want it ruined by dust. The nap couch in the sunroom. None of it. Nothing. He mourned selfishly then for how he'd never see his best friend again. Never see that smile. He'd miss that smile. He laid there drowning in the ocean of grief, unable to swim. N no, unwilling to swim. A burst of static shot through the screen and Charlie looked up. They didn't die. They just aren't here. What? They're... they're gone. So? What do you mean, so? That was my best friend. Why do you care? You're nothing but a ghost. Charlie stared at the screen. An unreadable look schooled on his boyish features. None of his usual easiness laid there anymore. Moments of his life flashed. He saw his parents. The love in their eyes faded. He saw ex-lovers, closeness turning to a gradual distance that they'd put between the two as the love in their eyes faded too. He saw the sky and felt the thunder of a storm. Then he saw his death. Stars had beamed down above him and his blood slicked his hands. He remembered how he had died alone, with nothing but nature to curl around him and tell him it was okay to go. Finally, though, he saw Wren. The surprise in their eyes when he'd materialized in front of them. The transition as the ice melted and grew into fondness. It was so unlike anyone he'd known previously. The warmth had never faded. Not even at the end. He clenched his jaw and steeled his resolve. Take me to. What? 
feed on me. Suck my soul, whatever, I don't care. Just take me to them. And why should I? Do whatever you want. Entertain you however you'd like. You know what? I like you. You're interesting. I've never had anyone actually want to visit my realm. No idea why. Hmm. If, and only if you find them, you two can be together. You can't leave, because frankly I'm not sure anyone can. But I can make you somewhere nice. I should warn you though, there's no guarantee you will find them. I am vast. I'll do it. Just... Please. I don't want them to be alone. Come here, and place your hands on the screen, Charlie. So he did. And it... Hurt. A hand made of smoke wrapped around his forearm and pulled. As he got closer, more greedy hands stretched out and grabbed at anywhere they could find. They weren't gentle and nails had begun to dig scratches into his delicate skin. By the time he was pulled all the way through, he was floating in a haze of pain. Somewhere in a void he floated. For a while, he caught glimpses of other souls and entities housed inside the TV. They were smoky, and he seemed to be the only semi-solid thing there. He spotted a familiar shock of red hair far away from him and went to call out. They didn't hear him. That's okay. They will. They'd be together again. He knew it. He knew it in his heart. He didn't know what he'd do if he didn't find them. Neither of them were seen again. Not that anyone truly noticed, though. All they became were faint thoughts, meant to be pondered in passing and then moved on from. I guess you might be wondering what happened to them. Truthfully, though, does it matter? Would they have been any more than a passing thought to you as well had I not told you their story? I suppose that isn't fair to ask of you, though. It doesn't matter. What matters is, somewhere out there, Charlie and Ren still love each other. Shouldn't that be enough? Neighborly is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 International License. Today's house was written by Paris B, with dialogue editing by Zoe Davis, soundscaping by Matthew O.K. Smith, music by Alex Schwartz, and art by Claudia Pollard. The narrator is voiced by Matthew O.K. Smith. To find out more, visit neighborlypod.card.co or follow us on social media at neighborlypod. If you enjoyed listening today, information on how you can support us will be included in the episode description. Most of all, we would appreciate it if you told a friend because they might tell a friend and they might tell a friend and they might tell a friend and they might tell a friend and, a friend and who knows eventually God might finally listen to us. Today's awkward family reunion exit strategy is alien abduction. Thanks for listening. Come back soon.